0: Welcome to the first NyGuard series podcast, where our intent will be to promote an introspective look at various topics in education through conversations with experts in the field who will do their part to provide a unique insight into the best practices, refined ideologies, and pertinent content knowledge related to a given topic. Our goal for this series is to amplify the voices of those who are leading important work and inspiring sustainable change in their communities. This is a podcast that highlights short and direct stories from effective leaders relating personal experience to educationally relevant content. This podcast shows how leaders lean in and do the work.
1: I'm Whitney Luther, a current Butler EPPSP Group 38 student and a co-host for today's conversation.
0: And I'm Matt Molitor, a current member of EPPSP's Group 38 cohort as well, and I too am a co-host for today's conversation.
1: Welcome to Butler University EPPSP's The Nygaard Series Podcast, Season 1, Episode 2. In today's conversation, we'll explore equity in education, specifically through the lens of district administrators implementing a district initiative.
0: And for this episode, I'd like to welcome and introduce Christine Squire and Chris Devereaux with Zionsville Community Schools. Welcome to this conversation. We are so glad and grateful to have you here and share your perspective, your story and the the inspiration for the initiative that you have going on right now. Um, To begin, we would like a little bit of background knowledge. If you could tell us a little bit about your mission and purpose of your work in your current roles in Zionsville Community School, and then the Strong in Every Way initiative. Sure. Christine,
2: you want to start?
3: Sure. Um, Right now, I'm the Director of Academic Services for Zionsville Schools, a former EPPSP member, (laughs) Group 11, but um, as part of our role, we oversee everything that has to do with academics and more. We're a smaller school district, Um, so Chris and I work on things that um, go beyond just the general curriculum and adoption. We write grants, we do all the professional development for the district. Um, We work collaboratively with our unified student services, our technology as a team. So it's kind of a joint effort with what we do. The strong in every way um, umbrella started officially four years ago Chris and I were just looking back on 2016 but our work began way before that and one of the things we realized is that we needed to name and have like an umbrella to be able to describe the work that we were doing so that we could stay focused on on moving forward Chris you want to talk a little
2: bit yeah um I am Chris Devereaux. I'm the assistant superintendent of academics for the district I've been with Zionsville now for 14 years and um, as Christine said, our Strong in Every Way um, official officially began in 2016, even though we were doing work prior to that. But our umbrella of Strong in Every Way really encompasses three main pillars for us, for our district. And it is the driving force behind it, pretty much everything we do. And those pillars are developing connections, developing assets and resources, and developing cultural understandings. And so Christina and I um, help oversee all of those along with uh, a district committee as well of Strong in Every Way. Um, But our main focus for the last three years for the two of us have been around developing cultural understandings for our district.
3: One of the things that Chris and I were really adamant about, um, since this is a podcast about equity, is to make sure that we clearly defined what cultural understandings um, meant to us and we talked a lot about global competence as one piece. Um, Our district has a real focus on making sure students and teachers go abroad and learn about other cultures, but we wanted to separate out equity and racism to make sure we gave them equal value. Um, Sometimes when you just talk about equity, it is a very big umbrella that things get swept under, which we believe is important, but we wanted to make sure we were actively addressing racism as a separate piece. So that is kind of pulled out of Um, the equity part of cultural understandings.
1: I love hearing the background of the Strong in Every Way initiative. And you've named those three pillars, developing connections, developing assets and resources, and then developing the cultural understanding component. I hear you're talking about that work that started back in 2016, and you're thinking about how that work began. What was kind of the the how-to, I know you wanted to kind of name those components, but can you talk to us a little bit more about how you really developed that? What was your process for defining those pillars?
2: So I can tell you that two um, main events happened um, that really caused Strong in Every Way to come to fruition. And those two things were we um, had some meetings with parents um, who came to us and said, my uh, student of color, is having some um, concerns or having some incidents um, happening um, in our community um, and in our school system. And we need to address that we are a mostly predominantly white upper middle, um, upper socioeconomic uh, school district. And we were seeing that as our um, diversity was starting to change around color, um, that they were having some issues um, at school. And so that really um, hit home with us. And then the second thing that happened, our counselors, um, K through 12, came to us and said, you know, I we have doing a great job focusing on academics, but our kids are not all right. Um, they have high levels of anxiety and stress, and we need to do something about this. Um, we know that if kids don't feel safe and happy, they are not going to learn. Um, and you don't feel safe.
0: Seems like a journey that has Going on and included lots of different voices and perspectives to input where where you are now with your understanding and your direction for the for the umbrella of strong in every way so as we think back to these four years and all the voices that you've had giving input and providing uh their their perspective how did that help shape your 2020 version of what equity is so in in the present where, where are we right now? What does equity mean to you? I mean, even if, if we want to get super specific and super relevant, what does that look like in the midst of COVID right now? Equity, what does equity look like right now here in, in Zion? Yeah, Chris
3: and I have been talking about this a little bit. And when we look at just the basic definition of equity for us, we're talking about the assumption that different supports are needed for students to get equal access to curriculum activities, all those kinds of things, but it's a lot more for us. And Chris and I talked earlier about, it's all about dignity and treating people like they're human. And so we really focused on that piece of it, um, bringing it all back to dignity. And Chris worked with students on even a statement that represented us um, around the theme of everybody belongs.
2: So we have an Everyone Belongs district statement um, that our district cultural understandings team started to craft because we know that words are important. They're only as important, though, as your actions. Um, And so we wanted to craft a statement to publicly make sure that people understood where we stood um, as far as equity and inclusion um, go. And so I took this statement that adults put together, and I took it to middle schoolers and high schoolers and just said, here's a statement, give me feedback on this. And as kids will do, they were brutally honest um, and and, and tore it apart um, and they made it a hundred times better um, than what we had crafted as adults. And um, so kids really sat with me and went line by line um, and and dissected the words and the phrases um, until they came up with the sentence or the statement, I should say, um, that really encapsulated everything that they wanted our community um, to know and to abide by. And that has now become our everyone um, belongs statement.
3: And one of the things you, Matt, Matt, you said was you know what, that there was a lot of background and a lot of influences. And we really could not have started this journey without doing the background work on ourselves. So Chris and I started off with just attending conferences. We went to a a lot of ASCD conferences. We went to Cornell University and got certificates on diversity and inclusion. We've read so many books, both um, academic books and novels, just to immerse ourselves. Podcasts, um, documentaries. TV
2: shows, documentaries. Everything.
3: And just constantly talking with each other about different perspectives and what does this mean in the work that we're doing? Because any um, leader will know that once you decide you're gonna lead something, you really need to work on it yourself and make sure you're prepared and you understand um, where other people are coming from in order to lead it effectively. So we did all that work even before we went to the kids and asked them about the statement and decided on the three to four year plan moving forward. Um, we've always talked about, it, it starts with you first and changing your beliefs before you can change others.
2: And I think also to Christine's point, it started with the two of us really being honest about our own biases um, and the fact that our, our circle, um, and that could be our social media circle, that could be our friends and family circle, um, our professional circle was pretty small. Um, and was an echo chamber for a lot of our own beliefs. And so we really took an entire year and intentionally sought to broaden that circle to hear diverse perspectives of things that we didn't necessarily agree with, but we needed to take a moment and say, what could I learn from this? Um, And so we um, did that self-examination and I will say it was probably um, for the two of us, um, that professional growth and personal growth Um, was really amazing for that that year. And that started us now on a path where that is just what we do. Um, That's just who we are. We don't just read or listen or watch things that align with our beliefs. Um, We try to always say, what can we learn from someone who believes differently and ask ourselves, why are they, what has their experience been or why are they coming at that? The kind of 360 degree view or multiple perspectives lens is how we're trying to approach everything at this point.
0: And it sounds like everything that you've worked towards is shaped on getting as vast and broad of of a perspective, a collection of perspectives as you possibly can. And I think it starts with examining what your own perspective is. I mean, we've heard about doing mirror work, examining your own, you know, biases, implicit, implicit biases, as well as the ones that you have been shaped by your environment. So I think that again, if, if our goal with this podcast is to see all these overarching cross, you know, the crossovers between everybody's perspective, the things that we're hearing, hearing being echoed are start with that self-examination and try to get as many perspectives as you can. So this, this, this feels good to know that once again, we're hearing the same thing and it all starts with looking inward. So that's, that's really reassuring and, and, and valuable.
3: One of the things that was helpful too at the district level was to make sure everyone was included in that self-examination. So bus drivers, cafeteria staff, administrative assistants, we all did the implicit bias training together one summer before we started work on this. And then we've continued with weekly and monthly messages that go out to all of those populations and um, workshops that we do for everyone so that it's not just a teacher thing or just an administrator thing. It's the community. And Chris can even talk. We we even have reached out to the broader community.
2: Yeah, we, um, we really believe there's a reason um, that we're called Zinesville community schools um, because we're, we're educating um, and supporting and uplifting an entire community. And that's not just the kids that are in the walls of our schools. And so that's how we've approached it. So we even have had things last year. we, um, started uh, food for thought, which was actually offered to our community. So three of our teachers who are on our district cultural understandings team, um, we, they led community conversations um, at, last year at restaurants um, where we could all sit around and eat together and not be socially distanced with masks on. Um, but they, we partnered with our local businesses Restaurants that hosted us, and we had people sign up and sit at dinner with eight other people at their table and go through a conversation for 90 minutes over dinner about what is community and does that mean you assimilated, or does that mean we accepted you for who you are and celebrated what you could bring to our community. Um, And we started having those conversations last year, and we'll continue that series this year. of course, it'll be instead of food for thought, Zoom for thought, um, but we, we think those conversations are really important to engage people in, um, and then we encourage them once they left, we gave them the questions we used to guide that conversation, um, and we encourage them then to have coffee or dinner um, at their house with family and friends to keep this conversation going because it is those personal connections And those personal conversations and small groups are one-on-one where we're really gonna see change um, in what people are learning and and viewing about themselves in our community.
3: We've also made sure to reach out to the community when we've had professional development so that those speakers can stay in the evening and parents can come. And we've reached out to the local clergy to have community conversations um, that they can support on Sunday back in their, their churches. So it is it has been just a an effort by everyone. And I think that's what how a movement starts is everyone doing their little bit.
0: I, I the the buy-in that you that you must get from including everybody from the get-go and valuing their perspective and honoring what they have to say and supporting that their learning, uh, providing the, the families the opportunity to learn. From the experts themselves, and 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 not being secondhand information, I think that has got to create such momentum and really amplify the buy-in for all of those parties and those stakeholders. Um, so, I, as we as we go beyond getting buy-in, creating awareness, and getting a really sol- solid foundation, are there other elements that are a part of your work or the strong in every way umbrella that uh, that? have to be regularly maintained in order to sustain this work and ensure that it's it's done with fidelity? I
2: will I will say that something that comes to mind right away is an intentional plan. Um, Christine and I sat after we spent an entire year again of just learning ourselves and self-reflecting and having those conversations. We sat down after that year and said, okay what is our goal in three years for our district and how are we going to get there and kind of backward mapped it based on all the advice of the experts we had been studying for the entire year and knowing our own community every community is different so where do we need to start and how is this going to look and we mapped out by month um that those three years and what that was gonna look like and what is that gonna look like for our administrators? What is that gonna look like for our teachers? What does that look like for our students? And what does that look like for our support staff and then our community? So we had a a, a very intentional map so that we knew where we were going and what our goals were. Um, And because, you know, life can get in your way, Um, the day-to-day stuff of putting out the fires of every day that happen um, can can derail things like this, but it's too important to us. So having that monthly plan and those deadlines of things that go out, like our uh, this year, for example, our monthly uh, three ways in email goes out to everyone um, in our district. Uh, It is the first Wednesday of every month, and it it resources um, for self-reflection. There are resources for peer-to-peer dialogue, and then there are resources for teachers with students, and there's always a theme behind that, Um, for example, seeing beyond color, those types of things, seeing the um, identity, and so knowing that that's going out at the beginning of every month Um, every Wednesday, no matter what's going on, we want to always have things available for people when they're on their journey, they're ready to hear it. We need to make sure we're there with the information so that we don't miss helping people move along their own journey.
3: And we really started off smaller with us working on ourselves and then um, putting out just a little bit of information on every Wednesday so teachers knew where to find it that was optional and it always was around ideas, um, activities and opportunities. So idea, a new idea, an activity, something you could do with your students and then an opportunity that generally was around Indianapolis or it could be um, a grant opportunity, something that would help move people forward. And I have to say every week for four years now, at least two people have emailed me and said, oh, that was something really good. So you think only two people is not enough, but that is building the momentum so that when we get to this year and we've been doing this work and Chris puts out an even bigger one at the beginning of the month and with more information that has more teeth to it, people are ready for it. They're ready to go forward. They're ready to move with, with some of the heavy work that they need to be doing. And it's just setting up the groundwork so that you have that firm foundation to build your house.
0: And, and with, with every issue or or share or event, people are going to be more empowered and more knowledgeable with how to use those tools and take advantage of those events. So yeah, two people now becomes four, eight, 16, and it just grows exponentially as people become more comfortable, confident, and know how to utilize those tools.
2: I will say that um, I knew this year in particular with everything going on, and it's such a trying year for so many people in, in so many ways, but I knew that this work was still moving forward. When um, I shared with Christine, we are getting text messages from um, teachers. We are getting emails from parents. We are still getting communication. Hey, I thought you might like this, or, oh, I attended this, and I I know how passionate you are about this. We are getting those um, every month, um, sometimes every week from people. And so in the midst of everything going on in 2020, um, this work is still important for people and we're still getting feedback so we know we're still hitting the right notes.
3: Mm-hmm. I want Oh no I please, was gonna go say, ahead. one of the, one of the other things that I think we did that is really helpful to people is not just reading and talking about things, but it's actually having some meaningful being there experiences. So Chris and I you know have got, been to some conferences, but we were really fortunate to go to a conference in Alabama a few years ago and we went to the Equal Justice Initiative just as part of something to do during the conference and it changed our lives. Um, It was a very powerful um, experience going to the Legacy Museum and the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. And we knew we needed to do something with our teachers and with our families And so we also went to D.C. that summer to figure out what other experiences people could have. And then Chris put together a trip for our social studies and humanities teachers, middle school and high
2: school. So I was able to take 40 educators from our district, middle school and high school and administrators and a board member and our superintendent um, on a four-day professional development trip, completely funded by our um, Zinesville Education Foundation, um, they are amazing. Um, they support us in so many things that we do, e- even purchasing the you know diverse novels we want to have and and picture books and stuff we want to have in our in our schools. Um, but I was able to take these forty educators. Um, on a trip that, that was life-changing. Um, I would say for everyone who attended and for me, probably the, the most professional, um, growth opportunity I've ever had. We went to DC for a day and visited, um, three different museums, Holocaust Museum, uh, Native American Museum, um, and the, um, African-American. Thank you, African-American Museum. And then we spent the next day uh, debriefing all of that. Um, And then we flew to Alabama and to Montgomery, went to all the equal justice initiatives, museums and memorials that Christine just mentioned, and then spent a day debriefing. And I was able to work with and contract with uh, Dolly Chug who wrote um, a book about the person you wanna be. And she helped craft that entire professional development experience with us. And again, all covered through grant money. And so that experience um, is what set in motion all the work we're gonna do this year for our social studies adoption.
3: So just like you have those being there experiences for students when you really want them to learn something, we've really tried to craft that with teachers now to have those experiences that are going to change their lives and change their minds and help them wrap around the work that we need to be doing.
1: I'm already hearing all of these, like significant milestones that you have have been in the process since even 2016. I'm hearing you talk about um, really defining and doing that own mirror work between the two of you and collaborating in that way, really looking inward. I'm hearing you talk about really planting the seed in small ways through those ready, consistent conversations or those um, resources for your teacher and for other um people that are part of the school district, outside even then to families, that that's a regular communication that you're continuing to plant the seed and plant the seed. And then you've continued to grow in your initiative and things that are most important to the work that you're doing in preparing students to be, to be adults. And how do we interact with one another um, in our community and how do we bring our community along together in that? And hearing then you say, Zionsville Community Schools Foundation, hooray for the foundation, for the work that they have partnered with to then provide opportunities for teachers, for families, for administrators to really immerse themselves in the experiential component to really bring meaning and life to this, to this learning that you're doing is just incredible. I think, wow, like what a work that you have been leading and doing in Zionsville community. Um, are there other milestones that you would like to highlight that have really brought just a really strong impact since you've started the Strong in Every Way campaign since the development in 2016?
2: I will start with just some speakers that we have brought in. Um, And again, all paid with grant dollars. And so this is where I think sometimes districts forget um, that those PD opportunities are available with grant. Our our Title II dollars cover a lot of this. Um, And we have had Cornelius Minor Um, who is nationally recognized and known around, I would highly suggest if people don't know who Cornelius is, that they follow him um, on social media and get his um, book. But he has worked with a variety of our teachers. Um, We had teaching tolerance come in um, and do work with all of our elementary um, staff. They were going to do work with our middle school and then COVID happened. So we had to postpone that for a little bit. Um, But just having those PD, we had Manny Scott speak, um, who was a original um, freedom writer. Um, He came um, and spoke. And like I said, just constantly collaborating and having voice of people that um, have different experiences than us. And this is their expertise and have learning from them. Christine and I always learn something when we bring in these experts to come in. So it's not just the teachers. uh, We learn a ton, too.
3: And I would have to say, so we started working on ourselves, but then we started working with the leadership team first before we moved on to working with teachers. So kind of building that background knowledge. And when we started working with the administrative team, we meet monthly as a team to go over things. And I've been an administrator in other districts where that is pretty much just a business meeting, but we spend half of our meetings just working on cultural understanding. So it's either a presentation or now we've moved into where administrators take what they've learned from us and then they have time during those meetings to put together how they're gonna share that with staff and students in their own buildings and then talk to each other about that. So they've got that planning time as well. And we've also given them opportunities to choose things to do. So there's some choice in it. It's not that everyone's doing the same thing. And when we let people um, choose to do the Cornell diversity and inclusion course that gave them some language um, to use that was a little bit more academic than they would had before. And and I think when we read white fragility together, um, that was just really powerful for everyone to be able to admit (laughs) some of their biases and be able to talk openly about it for the first time for a lot of people.
2: And I'm going to say, in addition to what Christine just said about white fragility, um, our leadership team has been amazing. We've had a lot of optional opportunities, like to do the white fragility book study. Right now, we're doing Cast um, by Isabel Wilkerson as a book study. We also did the podcast, Nice Nice White Parents, um, and we even did a movie, American Son. Um, you know, which was fiction, but we watched that movie. Um, people watched it on their own, and then we had discussion around that. So. You know, sometimes people think, oh, it doesn't have to always be around academic type of books. Um, That is something that Christina and I have found to be super beneficial is sometimes it's a young it's a young adult fiction or it's a picture book or it's a podcast. Um, We've listened had listened to several podcasts with our LT or it's TV shows or documentaries. Um, There's a variety of ways um, that and free ways. That is the thing that if people are like, oh, we can't afford to buy books for everybody right now to do this. There's a lot of free things too. And we're always happy to share those resources um, with other districts as well. This is, um, for us, it has been our journey, um, but we believe it's the work of every district. um, And we are happy to support that work in any way we can.
3: And I think having, um, you know, sometimes people talk about a grassroots movement and grassroots is great but having the support of the leadership team and having the support of your superintendent is critical. And our superintendent, Scott Robison has been key in this. And even though he's not leading it per se, he is there leading the charge that this is really important work that we're doing. Um, He doesn't have to be the one that's actually planning the lesson he's the one who's cheerleading the lesson all the time. So just having his support has really helped move this forward and having the whole community see, oh, this is, this is important to everyone. Um, It's important that your building leaders feel this as an important part um, because it's really easy to get sucked into the everyday minutia of a school system and what's going on and and what's happening with the teachers and the kids and to forget about your bigger goals. And so having this time monthly to talk about those goals has helped our leadership team keep that spirit going in their buildings as well.
2: Because we know we make time for what's important. Um, And so your time says something. And so we know spending this time every single month with our LT, I mean, out of our 90 minute meeting, 45 to 50 minutes of it is spent on this. Um, and that's every single month on top of any kind of flip prep or other work that they're doing with their staff. And, um, that says something to people.
0: we've, we've talked a lot about paradigm shift here, where you just, where you discuss and describe how we're completely reinventing and, and re, reconsidering what professional learning looks like and, and supporting how teachers understand equitable practices, um, how we support that and engage the community and all stakeholders. I mean, even down to ensuring that there's not a single story with the text that you're choosing and have it in exposing the teachers to with a short story or a novel or a, a, a professional learning resource. So we have all of these things put into place, which allow, it, allow this initiative, this work, to have a strong foundation, to be sustainable, to be forward thinking, like you said, that you've planned something years in advance for districts that are looking to begin this work or are hearing this big monumental change that's taken place in your school district. Where did, where do they need to begin? Where, where does this work start outside of the, well, maybe it does start with the understanding of we need to make this change. And there's some, there's some systems that need to be broken up in our, in what, in our district or in our schools or in our classrooms but where can you say or where would you recommend that this work begins? Go ahead.
3: I, I think you need to have a partner in crime. First. <laughs> so <laughs> That's exactly you, what I was going to say. <laughs> you can't do this alone for sure but one of the things that Chris and I have found too is If your group gets too big people won't talk as much too so a lot of times the two of us are working on this too but then we'll split people into smaller groups our district district group is 10 people Um, you know we slowly build those groups out or we if we have a bigger group our equity champions that we have right now um, are 17 but we break them up into smaller groups to do work so um, having a partner in crime who you can bounce ideas off and who's going to be brutally honest with you is really good. And understanding the dynamics of how people learn is really important because we've had these conversations over and over again. Like, should we do this one? Nope, that's pushing them too far this month. We, we have to put this in place first and then we can push them. So really being thoughtful about our planning month to month, year to year has helped um, and talking to people. Chris, Chris will just get on the phone and say, you know, she'll get Ta-Nehisi Coats on the phone in a minute. She'll just say, well, why don't we just try calling them, and, and she'll call them and talk to them and and just say, hey, we're thinking of doing this equity work. What what would you do, and they'll they'll talk to us. I mean, she's talked to everyone in the country about what we're doing and and they've given us good tips. And it's usually just a little tip. I'm like, oh, don't forget this. And that it's really helped spur us forward.
2: Yeah, I would say that that first piece um, to Christine's point is absolutely have a partner in crime and you have to have people who are willing to be champions of this. Um, Not everyone's going to be ready for it. Not everyone's even going to be thrilled about it. Um, But when you're passionate about it and you believe in it 150 percent, you're not um, dissuaded by that at all. Um, You keep going. Um, Not that you don't get discouraged or not that there's setbacks where you think we we didn't do that quite right or we aren't moving as fast, um, but we never stop moving. And so you've got to have that piece. And then, as Christine said, I cannot tell you, there has not been one expert in this country that I have not. I have emailed them and they have all emailed back, all jumped on a call with me, all jumped on Zoom. Um, We wanted we went to an ASCD conference and went to a session around equity walks. And we were like, this sounds fascinating. Okay, how should we start this? Where should we start? And instead of Christine and I trying to figure that out, guess what? I just emailed the presenter and said, could you get on a call with us? And he did while he was driving um, across California and called us from his car. And he gave us so many great resources and ideas. We don't have to make this up on our own. There are people who are experts in this field who have worked with districts from every kind of um, place, uh, every kind of makeup, size and everything. And they are happy. They're passionate about this. So they want to help. Um, And that's why I want to go back to, again, Christine and I are always a resource for people. We are happy to jump on a call. A Zoom sends you things that we came up with. You can tweak them to fit your own district. Um, This this is work that we have to do together. um, And you need to also bounce ideas off of people. And we've been there um, for four years now. So we could also give you some hindsight. Thank you.
1: Thank you
3: for offering that. That's very generous. (laughs) I appreciate that. Chris also brought up the equity walks and I'm so glad she did because the other thing is you can't be afraid to get some outside feedback on what you're doing um, because you do get kind of tunnel vision when you're going down a path. So making sure that you're getting other perspectives. So on the equity walks, we wanted to take it slowly. So we were just looking at our buildings first and our environment for kids. And we got um, experts from outside our district in central Indiana that represented the LGBTQ community, Muslim community, Jewish community, African-American community, um, disability services, ENL services, bunch of people to walk our buildings with a checklist and give us feedback on what kind of messages are we sending when you walk around the buildings? Um, What do you see? What kind of um, experience do you think these kids are having just by what you see on the walls, on the bookshelves, Um, throughout the building? Is it welcoming to everyone? Because as Chris said, everyone belongs in our buildings and we wanna represent that. And their feedback was amazing. It was great to have. And then we did those same walks with our um, teachers in our buildings and then compared the results. And they got so much value out of hearing an outsider who of course they don't know what you're doing in the classroom, but what I see going on isn't reflecting that, how could you do that better? Um, and that that was very powerful.
0: So the willingness to be vulnerable and yep. that as a school or as an individual teacher is is that first step, right? It's that, it's the mirror work, it's the willingness to be self-reflective. And, and I, I think, again, you might not know what you're portraying in your classroom or your building. And hey, that, that's a look at those, those biases of you're doing things and that's the first step to making those changes
2: and you have to um, be okay with community discomfort with change Um, anytime there is change there is discomfort Um, and that community may be the community of kids in your classroom that may be a school or a district that may be your actual community you live in with your the residents Um, but you you just have to know that anytime you're making change or progress um, there is discomfort, um, just like when you're working out, your muscles get sore, um, and that's a good thing. I always say when I'm sweating a lot, great, that's fat crying. Um, and so, you know, it's, you you have to you have to be okay with that.
1: As you look back on the implementation and then the current work to sustain and deliver outcomes through the Strong in Every Way campaign. What is one thing that you're currently exploring as it relates to your work and your learning?
3: We need to share our story better. Mm -hmm. So if I took a critical look at myself and our district and what we're doing, we'll have parents ask questions and Chris are like, we've done that, we've been doing that for years. And obviously if they don't know that, we're not doing a good job of sharing our story with our community. So even though we are inviting people to all these events, and we're having great turnout, not everyone knows. And not everyone knows what happens all the time. And we're not, we've got lists and folders, but we need to do more with social media and on our website to um, have a place where people can go that's easy to access. Um, That's one of the reasons we wanna do a podcast as well that's a good medium like you guys have discovered to have conversations beyond just your school walls And so we want to do more things to share our story and to invite people in to learn more about what we're doing.
2: I I literally don't have anything to add because that's exactly (laughs) that is exactly what we've been. We just met with our um, with our media specialist today to say we need to get um, a meeting on the books this week to talk about uh, because it really um, I feel like we have. Failed. And when I say we, I, I'm, I'm saying me and, and Christine, when we think about, you know, parents who are concerned about X or concerned about Y and don't think it's been addressed. And we know for four years we've been doing a lot of this work that they just aren't aware of. And I think, dang it, like we've caused stress and anxiety for parents Um, who thought maybe we weren't addressing something that we have been, and that they would have known they could have had that sense of relief, like, no, the school's got this, and they are are making sure everyone belongs, and they are being proactive in so many ways. Um, So when we don't communicate that, not only does it not help people move on their journey, but in some ways, too, it takes people down a different path that actually isn't what we're doing at all. And so That is something that um, we've come to realize, especially in the last four or five months, um, that we really need to do a better job of that. Um, We thought we were doing a great job internally of communication and I think we have. We forgot that it needs to expand because again, we're talking about an entire community.
3: And finding the best ways to communicate to people. They don't want a million emails about what we're doing. So making sure that it makes sense to people and that material is available to access when people are ready to access it, back to Chris's point.
0: And, and giving everybody a chance to get their foot in the door or have their own access point to this information and this experience yep. and these tools. What well, like you said, social media, That's there are people that rely solely on that for their news and communication or podcasts, it's a new avenue for the young kids to get involved with hearing it, creating it, and sharing that. And I'm, I'm you know, 35-year-old talking about young kids <laughs> sharing it. but
3: You sound old now. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: I'm feeling old. Um, but it's it's just an avenue. E- even if it's the same information being shared out in different ways, it's just an avenue for access. and And that's going to perpetuate their continued learning, their growth, how they're going to engage with this. And that's just building that momentum that is, you know, sounds like it's just churning along steadily, even in, the, in spite of all the setbacks and obstacles we've had put in our way this year.
3: Whitney, you mentioned, um, you know, what else are we working on? And I, I think one of the other things that's really important for people to consider is that you are gonna make missteps. And Chris tells this to teachers all the time. We, we might get it wrong sometimes when we're putting ourselves out there. And that will happen and you have to be okay with it. You have to apologize and we have to learn from it and move forward. So we're not always gonna hit the exact right note at the exact right time, um, but we can try and be very thoughtful about it and and as intentional as possible. But knowing that we can also hold you up and protect you and um, give you some space to make mistakes. I think it was so powerful when they went on that trip that a school board member came and said, okay, we're gonna learn about some really rough things about our past in America. And we do want you to be thinking about these when you're teaching social studies and I've got your back as a school board member. We wanna do this work. So knowing that mistakes are gonna happen and if we work together and we're honest with each other, we can keep moving forward.
2: And I think the thing that we have told teachers all along and we reiterated Christine and I um, presented to every school staff at the beginning of the year, was when you misspeak or say something that um, someone's not going to like the way you said it or it was offensive or whatever, your intent doesn't matter. the hurt is there. And so let's let's apologize and then let's listen to understand not listen to defend or listen to excuse what happened, we need to hear why the person feels that way and help me understand how to do this better next time. Um, and that is the language we have given the teachers um, to use because it, it's going to happen. I'm, Christine and I have been studying this, immersed ourselves in this for four years. For sure, we have had um, things that we have said or done um, that someone didn't like or took um, a way that we didn't intend, but it, it was harmful. And so we need to make sure that we own that and apologize for it, but then learn how to correct that from their viewpoint. Because again, it's about multiple perspectives. I can only see it from my perspective. I cannot see it from yours, but I can sure listen to yours and learn from that to do better next time.
0: And and as we work to wrap things up and digest where it began even before it began in 2016, how it's being maintained, how it's being spread out, how it's being reevaluated, you know, as you're, you know, I don't want to say building the plane as you're flying, but you're you're constantly having to readjust based off of circumstances, demands, how, you know, educational settings are changing. As as we think forward and you want to prompt people to continue their learning and continue their involvement, you've already shared a a lot of valuable resources, you know, people to follow on social media, uh, so uh, professional learning experiences like the teaching tolerance, bringing in uh, the freedom writers, Manny Scott, how, how to collaborate, who to collaborate with, ways to ensure that this work is getting done. Um, is there one thing that you would say? All right, this changed it all for me. That this this book changed it all this activity changed at all, or listening to this person's perspective changed how I thought about this? Is is there one final takeaway that you can give, give the listeners?
3: We were thinking about this earlier. And um, I think there's been different points in our journey where different things have spoken to us. Definitely the very first thing that spoke to me and made me want to do this work is Between the World and Me by ta Coates and his message to his son about his point of view. And so for me, taking the perspective of looking at someone else's point of view outside of my own and what their reality is, um, really made me think I need to do this work because I didn't know that. That is not my experience and I need to learn from other people what their experiences are. Um, to be able to understand them and so they can feel like they belong and that I'm honoring their dignity as a human being in our country. Um, so that was kind of the one that I still go back to. I still have fond feelings for that book.
2: I will say when Christine and I, um, we listened to that on, tape, on, on Audible. And if I can suggest that to anyone, um, I, we love to read books, but to hear Ta-Nehisi Coates himself Uh, read the words to his son the number of times that I paused that in the car and called Christine on my cell about it um, we did that constantly throughout the book um, because it was so impactful Um, and then I would also say um, the podcast revisionist history for us with Malcolm Gladwell really gave um, us a lot of things to consider along with teaching well, white Um, there were a lot of things in those two podcasts um, that we ended up having great discussions with our leadership team around um, and that caused a lot of conversation. Um, And so those are two podcasts um, that really impacted us too.
3: And then for children's books, I think the, the one that impacted me the most was Look Both Ways by Jason Reynolds. Mm -hmm. And it's a young adult novel, but um, I appreciate the way he wrote it the fact that you're thinking one thing is going to happen from your biases and then the story changes at the end of the chapter and what's happening um and then to be able to share that with kids at their level um is is one of those books that really speaks to me
2: too and finally i'll say an adult fiction book american dirt I, I cannot recommend that book enough, um, <laughs> American Dirt. And I would say anyone who reads it to please, please read the author's notes at the end.
3: And there's one podcast we haven't talked about. Of stuff. Well, I just want to say John Cronapple was a presenter, actually, oh. at ACD. And gave Floyd us Cobb. Of, and Floyd Cobb worked together. Mm-hmm. And they have just some manuals that you can pick up and you're like, oh, this is a manual on how to do you know, equity in your school, you have to do all the background work to really be able to understand them. But the one thing that they do is they retweet people. So you, you get a vast array of other people who are doing this work by just looking at their retweets. So, um, and that was Floyd Cobb and John Cronapple.
2: And they were amazing. We've actually used the books they've put out to guide a lot of our work and framework of what we've done. I'm I can
3: just, read a list of books that we <laughs> you oh. you said one and we listed like ten.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm filling up my Amazon cart as we speak right now. Just, is... oh.
3: well, you know what was even interesting is Chris and I got into so we were reading all these books about social justice, but then we started talking to one of our friends who was just like, "Why don't you just read some African artists? Uh, you know, some authors and." different perspectives. So you're getting perspectives of just like love stories and stuff, but from someone else's point of view or about a mom that's raising a gay child. And um, so finding other people who are reading books about them and reading them so that you're finding and just like fun books, like trashy books, but that that are written by other authors that you wouldn't normally pick up. That's always a great Great way to get a different perspective.
1: We just want to thank you both, Christine and Chris, for your time and your willingness to share your experience, your leadership, and just the story of your journey with us on Butler University EPPSP's The Nygaard Series podcast. We hear about the strong in every way campaign that really started back in 2016 with pre-work before that and i can just hear the heart in your work as you think about your students as you think about your families stakeholders and community members school board members i mean we're hearing this whole perspective of all of the people in your community that you are mindful of that you're purposeful of as you're planning your conversations diving into the work of creating spaces um, for students and staff and community members to engage in equity, um, what does equitable spaces look like in Zionsville Community Schools? And so, I want to thank you that the Strong in Every Way campaign continues to build. Um, student capacities for life readiness beyond the classroom and we're just grateful for your willingness to share your story and the way in which your team the two of you have worked and collaborated to do this together along with your leadership team and as you're raising leaders in the work of cultural understanding um, how powerful that is to your community and sharing your story that you're moving that um, to share beyond yourself and so we're just really grateful for that
0: Thank you, it's been Thank an honor have... to share it. We appreciate this, so this perspective so much and and the narrative piece of where it came from and, and how it got going and how it's still going and how it's changing and growing and evolving. The I think the story part is has been really special to hear.
1: Thanks. Strong in Every Way is an ongoing initiative of the Zionsville Community Schools. Begun in the fall of 2016, with the goal of building connected, resilient, self, and culturally adept young people during their formative years in their school community. Strong in Every Way is a decision-making and directional vehicle for ZCS organization that is made up of three domains, developing connections, developing assets and resources, and developing cultural understandings. To learn more about the Strong in Every Way initiative, go to Zinesville Community Schools website www.zcs.k12.in.us. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The Butler University's EPPSP, the Nygaard series podcast would like to thank Butler University's College of Education and EPPSP program director, Dr. Deborah Lechleiter. A special thanks to Will Rogers, EPPSP group 39, for composing and performing today's music. And thanks to Ethan Kuhn, EPPSP Group 38, for editing the podcast series. For additional podcast episodes, subscribe to anchor.fm backslash Butler-EPPSP. Thank you for joining us.